things. One thing I do want to ask you about is the incident that occurred over Christmas. Not so much the specifics, but there seems to have now grown a perception among American journalists, specifically, that you're some sort of party animal as a result of this. Does, does that make you laugh a little bit? Yeah, it makes me laugh, but it kind of kind of upsets me a little bit as well because that's that's just not me, you know. I, I very very rarely drink, you know. Um, so when I, mean, I do drink, I get drunk awful quick because because I can't handle it, you know. So um, I made a mistake, you know. I drank too much, and I, I've apologised for it, and I, I, I'm 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 embarrassed about it, you know. But I've, I've moved on from that, and um, you know, I make sure that I've apologised and I've. I've apologised to the guy that I was uh, being abusive to, and you know I moved on from it. So I'll, I'll make sure that, that never happens again. Never happens. Is there a kind of positive element in that these American journalists seem to be um, viewing you as weaker now than Jose Ramirez, partly for that reason because they think you're not living the life. And we know it's not true, but they have that perception. Listen, I, I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not fussed. I'm really not fussed. You know, um, I've always been looked at as underdog my whole career, and so. That, that drives me on, you know, they, they can think that all they want, but if they think that's what I'm like, if they really do think that's what I'm like, then they're in for a big shot. They're clutching at straws if they think that's what I'm like, because I, I live the life, I live a very clean life. I'm always in the gym, I'm a gym rat, so um, they can think that all they want. If they think that, then that plays into my hands, and they'll be in for a rude awakening when these fights come, come to fruition. And it's always been important to you to be a good role model to the kids and people coming through. It links in quite well with what we're here for today, the launch of the MTK Academy. What do you make of the MTK Academy concept and how do you think it would have worked with someone like you when you were a similar age of the target? Yeah, I think it's great. Just touching it there, like for myself, you know, the areas that I grew up in, there was nothing. You know, there was nothing around in terms of getting into sports. You know, um, there was a couple of avenues that I kind of wanted to get into. I wanted to boxing, and it was it was down the sports avenue. It's either becoming a sort of journalist or sort of I wanted to get into. I was into motorbikes as a kid. So I reckon you get paid more as a boxer. <laughs> wanted to get any sort of journalize like doing bike journalism or um, I then went to college and started doing sport and fitness to become professional um, personal trainers and things like that or a coach in some sort of sport but there just wasn't any opportunities to get into any sport you know there wasn't any avenues where what MTK is doing here they're going to open up academies and give people the chance to get education get um, get courses on maybe actually doing sport or teaching it or doing journalism or or anything, you know, and they're giving people uh, an avenue, a way to get into a sport or boxing, and you know, and it's uh, it's great. I think it's uh, I think it's a great concept. Brilliant. Well, we thank you for your time, and we wish you the very best of luck when you're next out, and good luck making that really difficult decision. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Um, it's the morning after here in Miami. I'm joined by a very uh, a brave but disappointed Luke Keeler. Is that fair to say? Yeah, just a bit disgusted now. I got caught early and I couldn't really implement 
I was a bit fuzzy and legs weren't great and I couldn't implement the, the game plan we had, you know, like I held in there for a few rounds but it just I think with the knockdowns just took around me, you know. Because everyone was kind of um, predicting a, a fast kind of start from you that that couldn't be the way that if you're going to win that fight was to kind of unsettle him early but he came out that way and like I said that kind of set the motion for the rest of the fight. Yeah, I think... Look, I think it'd be a different fight if it, you know, if it wasn't cock cold, but just one of those things, isn't it? Like, can happen, can't it? Like, <laughs> I held in there. Like, I went down with my shield. I didn't, uh, I didn't give up. So, I got a lot of messages and well, well wishes for that. But I was just disappointed. I couldn't really get into my own groove and, and show what we were walking on in camp. I nearly reverted to old. Like, it was just instinct. I was fighting in there, and I was. A messy kind of performance, but it just it wasn't meant to be for for that night. You know, I go again, and what I said was I just put a status there. I said if I wasn't improving, I'd retire. Like you know what I mean? I just I get into boxing to see how far I go. If I wasn't still improving in camp, I'd retire. So I am improving, and so I'm gonna take that experience and, and, and try again. You know, one more one more go. You know. <laughs> Not, not the most prettiest to watch on Dryday, but he's so effective, so awkward, and he, I'm assuming in the ring with him, it's just it's, it's a horrible style to fight against. Yeah, well, like I expected that as well. It's just, you know what I didn't expect? I didn't expect him to hit as hard as he did, you know? He, he, really, he really leverages them in from the ground, nearly, and, and you are hard shots with them small gloves, uh, so he just caught me clean. It was cold, you know, the first round. Uh, just experience. I learned loads. I haven't watched the back. I watch it back and I study it and try come again. You know. What do you remember about the final round? Well, we were in there having a like. I was I was trading with him. You know. Uh, ref jumped in. He probably made the right call. Like. What what the knockdowns took a lot out of me. You know. I, I was taken. Normally I'm clear when I go back to the corner, but like I was just I wasn't there. You know. So probably frustrating. P. Like we had great game plans and great, but just these things happen in boxing. Only you can get caught. It was a great opportunity for you, and it, it, it did come out of the blue. I, I'm sure for you. I mean, when we heard that you were fighting on Friday, but you took it and you went in there and you showed your heart, you showed bollocks, and which we kind of expect to see from you, Luke. To be fair. Yeah, look, I didn't disgrace myself. It'd be worse. It'd be worse if I had took a knee or you know, like I, I left it in there, which I always do. Uh, and I know we can tidy up and go again. I still feel fresh. Like I enjoyed the whole build-up. Like matchroom and the zone treat is great. Uh, MTK done a great job. Gave me the shot in the first place. Like I really, I really enjoyed the experience. I said going over that and enjoy the build-up and not get caught up and, and anxious about the whole event. So I did enjoy it. Uh, it just wasn't wasn't the day, was it? <laughs> I have to say, I've had a right laugh with your lot this week. Uh, They've been mad all, all, all week. I've, I've seen them everywhere in uh, had a couple of drinks the other day, and uh, yeah, they've been a good crack this week. Yeah, yeah, a good crowd come over. There's about 40 or 50 here last night. I was, do you know what? I just couldn't get down. Like I just went to bed, disappointed. But I'll meet them. We're staying till Sunday. I'll meet them all tonight for a drink. Uh, put on a smile, get drunk. But uh, no, great support. So thank, thanks to them and it's huge support at home. So can't give up just yet, you know.
take a little bit of time out and then and you go again, Luke? Yeah, look, I have the best management team there to, to do the job. They'll, uh, I'll get more opportunities. I'm sure Matthew wasn't too, too disappointed either, you know, like I'm, I can bring uh, entertainment. Uh, I'm sure I'll get another fire too for a jacket. I'm sure you will, my friend. Well, listen, Luke, like I said, work to be your night, but um, you'll come come again strong. So I appreciate your time this week as always, and uh, safe travels back yeah, home, my friend. Thanks a lot, yeah. Gold Star Promotions is proud to present Floyd Money Mayweather. The man himself is coming to the UK for his UK tour, February and March 2020. For all info and tickets, Gold Star Promotions, the whole Oscar Bevis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. I'm here in Miami. It's the morning after Miami fight night last night and I'm joined by Boo Boo, Demetrius Andrade. How are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good, I'm great, man. The greatest. You've had time to sleep on it, think about last night. It was a good fight, a little bit of a war at times. Are you pleased with your performance? Um, I mean, I thought it was good. I did whatever I had to do. Um, I showed a little diverse arsenal, you know, boxed a little bit outside, got inside, you know, showed some power, showed some speed. And, um, you know, a little anxious at times, i seen, but, you know, everything that i seen, I adjusted myself, so it was all good. A lot of people expected Luke Keeler to come out and throw big punches, put some pressure on you early, but you sort of counteracted that by putting pressure on him early. Was that the plan all along? Yeah, for sure, you know, um, it was either get him while I was hot or let him run into the shots, but at that moment i seen, you know, the one-two down the pipe was right there at that moment, so I just, like, smacked him with it, you know what I'm saying? Let him know, I'm here. You wanted to fight, you talk that shit, well, let's get ready to fight. Did you feel like you was in trouble any times or did you find anything in Luke Keeler that perhaps you were surprised about or was unexpected? Nah, at the end of the day, he's a tough guy. I, I knew I knew that, he's a warrior. Um, he was gonna. He was eventually gonna come to fight. This is his opportunity to become a champion, a world champion, and for him to bring his A game, but you know, I'm gonna shut everything down because I know what it takes to be uh, multi-time champion and also two divisional world champions. So, I mean, I've been there, done it, and just, um, I'm not letting nobody take anything from me. Talk me through your thought process through the fight, because you knocked Luke down a couple of times. You could have gone for the stoppage earlier. You could have also seen it out to the end and sort of coasted through in one over 12 rounds, but did you feel like you had to get that stoppage to make a statement? Um, you know, it was all strategic. You know, I knew um, he was going to, them shots I was hitting him with, the body shots, the head shots, eventually he was gonna wear down. You know, I had to break him, break him down, break his spirit a little bit, break his will, you know, control his mind. And um, that's what we did. And I seen that his breathing was getting a little hot, heavier and I felt he felt a little weaker in the legs. And so, the, uh, you know, in the middle rounds, I kind of took off so I could have a big ninth round. We spoke to Luke earlier and one thing he did say is that he was surprised how hard you punch. He knew you'd be an awkward fight. He was surprised how hard you punched. What do you think the division has learned from you last night? Um, 
anything about the punching power, maybe? I mean, listen, you know, this is my one, two, three, my fourth fight at the middleweight division. I'm definitely settling in, in that compact weight as far as, like, my body strength and stuff like that, getting it all, you know, in the, in the proper state that I need to be in as far as my body, my temple, and um, just, you know, letting it go, you know, show, showing myself and showing the world, yeah, I can hit, I can punch too. I can box if I want to box, I can bang if I want to bang, and um, yeah, I can do it all. I'm going to ask you about what the future holds for you in terms of opponents, but I want to ask first, does it frustrate you a little bit? Because every time you defend your belt, every time you're in a world title fight, it seems like automatically after people are going, Billy Joe, Canelo, Charlo, instead of just saying, look, Demetrius has defended his belt, and let's celebrate that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm doing everything I need to do to be and stay undefeated. I am a true champion. I'm willing to get in there with, you know, the likes of them all. But at the end of the day, I'm fighting. I'm fighting guys that's like sort of in their prime, hungry, you know, for the opportunity that they get. I'm not fighting Rocky Fieldings, you know. So I'm fighting guys that's coming to, you know, prove a point and become something of themselves. And Luke Keeler showed that last night by, you know, getting up and showing the true warrior and spirit he has inside. And I hope he's okay. God bless him. This sport is rough, man. There's nothing fun about this shit. And, um, you know, I mean, may the best man win always. And God bless everybody that stepped into the ring, man. It's just not easy. We heard Eddie talk about some offers made to Charlotte. One's over Instagram as well. How much have you been in the loop about all of this? You know, I mean, all I can do is control myself, control what I can do as far as who I can get in the ring with at the time, who's ever available. But me, but, I mean, they can go and chase the Chalos, and if make, they make it happen, they make it happen. I'm willing to make it happen. It's all good. Like, a $7 million offer, I mean, it's just a lot of money um, for one fight, you know? I mean, who else are you going to get that at this time other than maybe Canelo and Triple G, and they don't look like they want to get in the ring with anybody. Um, I think Billy Joe Saunders, you know, that's definitely a good money fight right there and a good fight people want to see that I was willing to do off my 15-month layoff. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's the more realistic, easier fight to make with matchroom in the zone than chasing the Chalos. You are the champion, but would you be willing to come over to the UK for Billy Joe? I mean, listen, I love the UK. The UK loves me. They want to see me. We can pack house and, you know, I can cross that bridge and become more of an international star, then I'm with it, you know? And um, at the same time, I know the U.S. really want, would like to see that fight too. So it don't, it don't matter where we at. I'm just, I'm just willing to fight Billy Joe. What do you actually think of Billy Joe? Because obviously we know he's a bit of a character. You've had a few run-ins with him. You weren't meant to fight and you had a few run-ins at the press conference. You call with Billy Joe? Listen, I mean, I got no beef with nobody. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got no real beef with anybody. I see Billy Joe, yo, I hope you're doing, I hope you're okay. Make the best out of it, but I'll fuck you up. You know what I'm saying? The end of the day. So, I mean, that's it. What's next for you then over these next couple of weeks? Is it rest or is it just a little bit of rest and straight back in? Um, definitely rest, family time, handling some business on the outside world and, um, some swimming, some yoga, some relaxation. Some partying for Super Bowl weekend? Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Do a little party party, you know what I'm saying? A little celebration, not too crazy, but, um, you know, when the time's right, we're, we're party the right way. Right now, we just going to continue to use our youth, be smart, invest, and, you know, make the right decisions in our life. I've got to ask you just finally what you made of the show last night. We had three world title fights, a couple of shots in the earlier ones. 
We had the YouTube fight, which went extremely quickly. We had the fight with yourself at the top of the bill. What do you sort of make of the show as a whole? I mean, I thought the card was a, a great card. You know, you got like you said, the world title shots on there, and um, I mean, the venue look came out really nice. I thought everything was like it was impressive. All right, Boo Boo, thank you very much for speaking to IFL TV. Congratulations on your win last night, and I hope to see you in the UK soon. Oh yeah, it's me again. Gold Star Promotions is proud to present Floyd Money Mayweather. The man himself is coming to the UK for his UK tour, February and March 2020. For all info and tickets, Gold Star Promotions, the host of UK. Danny Flexen here for seconds out with my old friend, former WBC flyweight champion of the world, Charlie Edwards. Charlie, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. Glad to hear it. Big question, I suppose, on everyone's lips. When are we going to see you back in the ring? Um, I'm going to be back out in um, April sort of time. Um, spoke to my advisor and management MTK, and we're just going to get uh, back on an MTK show just to get me out, get me busy, um, to get me back in action, more importantly, and get a good 10-rounder under my belt. And then we'll, we'll go from there, see what um, offers are on the table. I'm, like, I'm out of contract now. So um, I believe Eddie still wants to work with me, so um, we'll see what, what comes. But I've also heard that other people want to work with me as well, so it's just um, wait and see and uh, what my advisor tells me, I'll follow. What are going to be the deciding factors in making that choice? What are you looking for from your next deal? Um, well, it's got to be now I'm, I'm 20, 20, coming up 27 next month, so I'm only spring chicken. It will look really young. <laughs> Even though you I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I suppose it's just the best offer on the table and um, the, the best financial offer, the best career path. Um, there's a number of things that have got to be taken into consideration. I'm a former WBC flyweight world champion, moving up into the weight, looking to come a two-weight world champion. So it's very um, going to be very interesting to see what, what, what offers are going to be laid down. But um, like I said, my team, my, tr my trainer, Grant Smith, MTK Global, and my advisor, um, they want bet what's best for me. So I've got to do the easy job, really, just stay, stay ticking over, stay in shape, and um, prepare for the fight. And weight-wise, obviously you're going to come back at whatever weight you come back at, but in the future, when you get to championship level again, are we looking at bantamweight? Are we looking at superfly? What are you thinking? Um, it varies, you see. My, my next fight, I'm going to come um, back in just under bantamweight so I will still be classed and still in the rankings of a, a super flyweight because I've got a high position in the WBC I'm third so it'd be stupid for me to just jump straight into bantamweight um, but my body's growing all the time I've filled out a hell of a lot since moving up from flyweight so um, yeah I just need to get in there for my first fight back um, which will be is classed as a super flyweight so but it's, I think it's a pound under bantamweight um, and then we go from there, see opportunities, where the opportunities arise on the table and where the big money fights are at. Is that have, will that have an influence on who you sign with as well? Because Eddie, for example, and DAZN have got Estrada at Superflyaway, they've got uh, Rung Visaya as well. So does that kind of influence who you might sign with? Um, yeah, I suppose, of course it does. Um, with with my advisor, he's managing my career to the, to, to the, to the best and he has done since I've got all the way to a uh, flyweight world title. So. Um, yeah, what he advises me to do, I will surely listen.
two deadline day. Yeah, I went from uh, Tottenham to Stoke, but um, I was happy at Spurs. Uh, all of a sudden, I had a conversation with Daniel Levy. Uh, Harry was bringing. When you say all of a sudden, how how long before? On the day, yeah. on literally on deadline day, I was happy, settled. Right. I had no idea I would I would be moving. And then uh, a bid came in from Stoke. Uh, Harry wanted to bring in Adebayor, and the situation was. See you later, basically. So were you at the um, training ground already? Uh, and he called you into I'm the I'm at the training or? ground, yeah. I'm in, I'm in Harry Redknapp's office and Daniel Levy on, on loudspeaker and I uh, just told him really no uncertain terms. If we're bringing Adebayor in, you're going to Stoke. And I said, well, hold on a minute, I'm quite happy here. Uh, and he said, well, you have to go. And I said, well, listen, I'm happy here. I'll see you in the morning. So I've gone home. Uh, and then lots and lots of missed calls. Uh, and then... Um, Believe it or not, I sort of went halfway between. My mum had a friend near Birmingham, sort of stayed there in the middle just in case. It got to sort of nine, eight, nine o'clock. I realised it was going to happen and uh, I made the trip up. It's, it's something that I think people outside of football don't see, Robbie, is that, you know, we've kind of created almost this entertainment thing around transfer deadlines, haven't we? It's for, but, for, but for a footballer, yeah. like in, with your life where you might, you didn't, you didn't have kids at the time, did no, you? But no. You might have kids, you might be married, you live in your house, you're totally settled. In one 10 second conversation, your life is flipped completely. And it's something that I don't think football fans necessarily appreciate on a, on a sort of personal level. Mm. Yeah, that's it. like you say, if I had had kids that time, they'd been settled in school, they've got yeah. school friends, and all of a sudden I'm going up to, to north of the Mid North Midlands um, when we were quite quite settled. But on the on the ridiculousness of it, I remember listening to, to, to what was happening, and uh, I was sat in the McDonald's on the Target roundabout on the A40. Classy, I, classy, crouchy. I looked, I looked at, uh, at my phone just checking what was happening, and apparently I was in a helicopter circling <laughs> Staffordshire whilst I was sitting there with a Big Mac. Big they, Mac, you were Big Mac, four Big Mac. Yeah. Not the ground. Unbelievable. But that shows you what nonsense it is. It is a nonsense, isn't it, what we've created around ridiculous. this? Ridiculous, it's ridiculous. Oh, well, we love it, it's great. I mean, it's all the, all the drama of oh. it. I don't think you do, though, you don't, do you? It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There you go, transfer deadline day. It actually, it, it, there's it much, not much to it yesterday, was there? Right. Tyson Fury's looking healthy, he's looking strong, and he's talking very, very confidently, as he always does, but his body language, his demeanour, the tone of his voice... In this particular interview here with uh, Gareth Davis, he sounds more switched on than I've seen him for a very, very long time. I'm interested to see how that's going to translate in the fight because you can be as confident and have as much self-belief as you want and be in the best physical condition possible. But if you get nailed by a really good puncher on the chin, all that goes out the window. So very interesting. But uh, from what I can see at the moment, this is going to be the best shape mentally and physically that Tyson Fury has been in since the Vladimir Klitschko fight. That's what I'm detecting from the way he's behaving here, the way he's looking at people, his body, everything about him just exudes supreme confidence. There's a moment in this interview where Gareth Davis says that Deontay Wilder is an intimidating character and Tyson Fury jumps right on him. He said, no, 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 Ty Deontay Wilder is not intimidating at all. That is the kind of mentality that you have to have at the elite level. You might not choose to verbalize it. You might want to appear humble. <laughs> you know, I'm not naming any names, but you might want to appear humble. But internally, mentally, you need to be thinking like Fury's thinking here. This guy's not intimidating at all. What are you talking about? Tyson Fury believes he's a level above. He believes he's a different breed, a different gravy from the other heavyweights out there. I think Tyson Fury in this fight is not just looking to beat Deontay Wilder. He's trying to make a statement here. He's trying to embarrass Wilder and show 
that there is a massive golfing class between him and Deontay. That's what he intends to do, I believe. Now, whether that involves trying to knock Wilder out, if it does, I think that plays into Wilder's hands, as I've said before. But Tyson Fury is somebody who does like to take risks, calculated risks, but risks nonetheless. And perhaps that's what he's going to go for in this fight is at some stage, put the pressure on Deontay and really try and hurt him. Tyson Fury probably is the physically stronger of the two. He's certainly naturally heavier. Deontay Wilder is very physically strong, actually. I know people underestimate his physical strength because of his weight, but he's very physically strong when he gets his adrenaline rush. It's like the Incredible Hulk, you know, when he gets an adrenaline rush. Under the, you know, during the course of normal action, Wilder is not particularly strong in clinches, but once he hurts you or once he smells blood, he gets this turbo boost from somewhere, you know, this boost of adrenaline, and that gives him tremendous physical strength in short bursts. So that's what I'll say about that. But in a long, grueling fight, I mean, maybe Tyson Fury is hoping to drag Deontay Wilder into deep waters and drown him this time. Maybe he saw how fatigued Wilder looked in the latter stages of the first fight, and he's thinking to himself, you know what? Next time I'm going to put my foot on the gas and really maybe invest in the body, lean on, lean on him on the inside and take him out of there. I personally think all that is far too high risk to be worthwhile. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If he'd stayed on his feet in the first fight in the 12th, he would have won on the judges' scorecards. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't think it's broke. I don't think Deontay Wilder has improved so massively over his past two fights that Tyson Fury needs to throw out all the hit and hop it stuff and instead try to go for a knockout. I don't think so. I think Wilder has improved a bit, but Deontay is always going to be limited to some extent. He does struggle with his balance. He does struggle with his coordination, which is why in the Ortiz fight and in several other fights, he's so low volume because he doesn't like to throw unless he knows his opponent is stationary enough for him to be able to land. Because earlier on in his career, he used to throw a lot more and miss a lot more. Again, that coordination of his is not great. So he's waiting for you to become stationary. And if Tyson Fury is looking to fight a more physical fight, he's going to be stationary more often. And that's what Deontay Wilder wants. So I wouldn't go for that, you know, if I was uh, Fury. But hey, he's a guy who likes to live on the edge at times and he's going to do what he's going to do. If he does lose in this fight, even if it's by knockout, he's got the opportunity to trigger an immediate rematch and go for it again. And maybe he will. <laughs> you know, let's say Tyson Fury's winning the fight. It gets to the eighth or ninth round and he's starting to put pressure on Deontay Wilder. Wilder's maybe got a swollen eye or something. But then all of a sudden, bang, Wilder comes out with that big right hand again, levels Fury. In that scenario right there, Fury might say, you know what? Let me go for the immediate rematch. Because if I hadn't got too greedy, I could have won this fight. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. But based upon what I'm seeing here, the old Gypsy King, or at least the closest thing we've had to it since, and by the old Gypsy King, I'm talking about the Klitschko version, we might see something as close to that as we've seen since in this fight. Yeah, at least in terms of his physical condition and his mental state and his physical strength. Because he was strong in the Klitschko fight. I still maintain 
that the best physical condition I've seen Tyson Fury in, and maybe the even you know just as switched on as he was against Vladimir, was in the lead up to the fight against David Hay that never happened. I wish we could have seen Tyson Fury in the ring that night or that particular time against David Hay because we might have seen something even beyond what we saw against Klitschko. Let me know how you people feel in the comment section below. It's happening to